Welcome, everyone, to More Math for More People. It's May 4th, 2021, and this is Episode 1. Enjoy! Hello, I'm Joel. And I'm Misty. And this is More Math for More People, brought to you by CPM Educational Program. This podcast supports middle and high school teachers with best practices, relevant research, helpful hints and tips, and anything else that randomly comes to our minds. We hope you find this podcast both entertaining and informative for your math teaching practice. Boom. Uh, So, okay, so we're going to introduce ourselves. Mm-hmm. Hey, Joel. Hey. Tell me some more about yourself. Who are you? Anyway, people need to know who's this Joel Miller guy. I know there's a there's a there's a lot of story to tell. Actually, um, maybe throughout this whole process, I can share a new job that I that I've had in my life because I've had many. many oh, jobs. really? Oh, yeah. Just a small town boy growing up in Minnesota. What part of Minnesota? Uh, White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Nice. Beautiful place. F. Mm-hmm. Scott Fitzgerald used to vacation there mm. back in the day. I imagine he only vacationed there in the summer. Oh, yes. Nobody goes there in the winter. Not even me. <laughs> I One uh, New Year's Eve, I remember standing out in front of my parents' garage, and my eyes were freezing. The water in my eyes was freezing. And wow. I had to say, I'm an adult, and I don't have to come in the winter anymore if I don't want to. <laughs> that's and awesome. so uh, now I only go back in the warm weather. I think that's one of the cool things about being an adult is suddenly realizing that you can choose to do <laughs> things like, hey, mm-hmm. if I want to have cookies for dinner or eat my cookies first, I could do that. I'm an adult. Now, I might not yes. choose to do that still because I'm an adult and I realize I should probably eat food before cookies. But if I choose to, to I can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's absolutely the freedom of being an adult. I love it. So, so White Bear Lake. White Bear Lake went away to the big college in Ames, Iowa. Is that the big college of like Iowa State? Or? Iowa State. Nice. I, I I don't know if there's a, are there other colleges in Iowa? I don't. Well, I, I, is there a University of Iowa? <laughs> yes, there's actually no. many colleges. I know I know Iowa State because I am also a Big Ten girl. Hey. Awesome. And we're the, yeah, the Cyclones. Iowa State's the Cyclones. So I wasn't going to stick with that, so I came out to Salt Lake City and became a ski bum. Worked up in Alta, Utah. Worked up there, thought it was so great, so I moved out here. And then eventually, through after many jobs that I'll share later, came to want to be a teacher. And so... Went back to school, became a teacher, and I've been doing that for the last 12 years here in Salt Lake City, teaching high school math. Awesome. And what do you do for CPM right now? CPM, I'm a professional learning specialist full-time. Just got out of the classroom this fall. How about you? Where are you from, Misty? Well, Mm -hmm. that is a difficult question. Uh, I don't really consider myself from anywhere. My dad was in the Marine Corps when I was a kid. So uh, one of my one of my claims to fame, I guess I can't use this for two truths and a lie now, is that I went to seven elementary schools. So we moved around a lot. Uh, I lived uh, in many different states um, throughout 
uh, most of my elementary years and then lived in Olympia, Washington uh, for middle school and high school. So my family's my family's from Washington. My parents both grew up in Washington. Eighty five percent of my relatives live in Washington. So the Pacific Northwest is, is 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 home, and it's always been kind of where where I was going to come back to at some point. Uh, I went away to uh, university. I went to Northwestern University, where I got a bachelor's of science in chemical engineering, of all things, and then worked at a re- oil refinery uh, in Washington for five years. Um, as a chemical engineer, and then decided that I really wanted to be a teacher. So, which is something I had wanted to do since I was little. I used to I used to play school. School mostly consisted of me sitting in my little like my mom had this little antique desk, and I would sit in this little student desk, and I would look through the books, and I would give myself lots of homework, which was usually memorizing things for some reason. And I remember when I was like in fourth grade, and I was thinking about how uh, my teacher was giving us different spelling assignments. Um, for the week. And I was like, oh, when I'm a teacher, I'm going to use this spelling assignment because this is a good spelling assignment. This one's dumb. Rewriting the words five times. That one's dumb. I didn't like that one. The one where I had to like fold the picture page into like 16 squares and draw a picture for every word. I liked that one. Anyway, so I went back to school and I uh, got my master's in um, elementary education and my endorsements for math and science for secondary endorsements. And so and I started teaching middle school. And I taught middle school math and science for 15 years at a really small independent school in Bellingham, Washington. And then during that time, started working for CPM, doing workshops, did a bunch of writing and editing for some of the courses. And now I, now I am officially, I am the professional learning program manager. I didn't even, I don't you probably know don't even know that yet. Congratulations. Because that just That's officially fantastic. happened today. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, which is uh, really a a formalization Uh of the work I've been doing for the last year um, with managing projects and keeping things going for all of the professional learning content. Um, And then also I will uh, take over the program chair for the teacher conference. Very good. That'll be great. You'll be so so good at that. Yeah. So I, I really like working for CPM because I feel like I loved teaching kids math and science. I loved mm-hmm. having middle schoolers because they were still excited about learning and they could really get into ideas. And um, when I started teaching teachers, I realized I could, I was really leveraging that so much more because I was reaching, could be able to reach indirectly so many more kids through those teachers. So I've really enjoyed working with teachers in workshops and support visits and in coaching. And you had mentioned before your love of homework that you would give to yourself. Did your students appreciate that love of homework as well? (laughs) I don't know if it was love of homework. I think it was more, uh, so one of the other things that I really liked to do when I was a kid actually was play receptionist, which I, so I, I literally, I was a receptionist for a dentist's office and I would sit and I would answer the phone and I would make appointments for people. So I think actually my enamoring of homework was really about having lots of things to be, or- gotcha. to be organized about. Well, then I don't. <laughs> so that's a little yeah. insight into. Well, I don't Misty's know if this would uh, mm-hmm. is a relevant question. Then I was going to ask if you ever gave yourself extra credit. <laughs> oh, I rarely gave even my kids extra credit. Um, I would I would give them sometimes opportunities to to get more points or things like that, but. But the whole idea of like 
this is what you know is expected and then you can go beyond it was I I don't I didn't I wanted to not reinforce it. I didn't give I didn't give a pluses I was that kind of teacher I get you know it's like you have a hundred percent you have a hundred percent if you somehow ended up with a hundred plus percent then that maybe was an a plus but yeah my partner teacher disagreed with me on that so the kids were sometimes sad that I didn't give a pluses like do you have a hundred percent I was good at doing my homework I definitely I I was definitely a kid who had good 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 school skills you know keep track of things get things in I I really really did not like to get in trouble when I was a child so I got really good at figuring out the rules and following the rules even though I don't really like following rules um I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of a rebel actually I would much rather choose my own thing but I do not like getting I do in trouble. too I hate trouble, and so. I was a very good rule follower any any kind mm-hmm. of scolding any kind of like ugh So one of the things that we want to talk about is team roles when when teachers begin looking at CPM curriculum, there's a lot of talk about team roles, right? It's in the beginning of the books. It's in chapter one for the kids to see. And then it's not. It, the kids don't see it after that, but it's still in teacher notes all the time. And we definitely talk about it a lot with study team and teaching strategies and team roles. So Joel, what would you say, Why would why are team roles a big deal? I think team roles are a big deal because there's some guidance of how to work together there. There's some scaffolding of who's going to be in charge of what, but it creates a, a, what's the right word here, a more equitable kind of a situation where students, they're all involved in some way and they're, and they work and, and, and to their strengths, it could be to not their strengths as well. And it could be, um, but there, there's, there's definitely a task that needs to be accomplished, and that's and that's a, a way, an entry point to get into that task. I think. Um, I I often have students say that, well, I'm the resource manager, so I don't need to, I just have to go get stuff. So that of course becomes a discussion of well, you're also a mathematician and you, <laughs> and you're part of this group and things like that. But it just I think it just really helps bring the group together. Um, and gives a framework for how they're going to work together, which is really important. I often have teachers, you know, say to me when I'm when I'm supporting them that uh, it's it's hard, you know, why can, why do I need to use team roles? Why can't I just put them together? You know, I've got them in teams. The team roles is like an extra thing that I have to do. And why do I why do I need to do that? And my response to them often is that we know that. Having them all sit in rows and just talk to them doesn't work. But we also know that just having them sit in a team and expecting them to, you know, doesn't work. We have to we have to give them structures and help them learn and understand how to interact with each other, which I always think is an interesting thing is that, you know, people are very social, right? We want to connect. And we want to talk. Our kids want to talk to each other. In fact, sometimes teachers are like, but they're just talking about other things. And I'm like, yeah, but they're talking. Let's try try to shift that to math, right? But we still need to we still still need to learn how to talk to each other and how to ask questions and 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 a lot of times with kids there's there's challenges with who's gonna who's gonna take the first step, who's gonna take charge, you know, 
status and equity issues and various things like you mentioned. And so I think that those, again, those team roles help give them a structure, right? Even if, and, and I love that sometimes we have those, you know, little question starters for them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've seen kids doing this so many times. It's so, it's so great. Like they'll pick up their thing and they're like, well, I'm the task manager. So I'm like, who's going to read the problem, right? And they're just reading it right off the car, the, the thing. And sometimes teachers are like, well, they're just reading it. I'm like, yeah, I know, but they are, they're reading it. And even if they do it facetiously or silly, they are doing the thing you want them to do. And, and particularly, I think, with young people whose brains are not fully developed, you, get, you, get, you only get one of two things. You can have them do the action. You don't get to decide what their attitude about it is. So if they're doing the action, be fine, right? Accept it. Right. They're doing the action and the behavior that you want. You're not going to get to decide how, what their feelings about it are. So if they're, if they're doing it, they're still getting it. They're accomplishing that task and they're getting that interaction. And eventually those, those behaviors that they're kind of acting and doing become more natural for them. That's my thought on it. I love it. That's why I love the participation quiz so much Mm -hmm. as well. Because the, my first quiz and my first circulation, they they recognize that I'm approaching and will say something like, oh, hey, test manager, how much time do we have left? Or some right. totally fake. But right, they, totally. But it's exactly what I want them to say. Absolutely. And they're being trained. Mm-hmm. They don't even know it unless they're listening to this That's podcast. Right. And I, I always start out with the roles. I don't name mm-hmm. what the roles are. I do a numbered heads and I say, mm-hmm. number ones, this yeah. is what you do. Number twos, this is what you do. Number threes. I really like that you that you mentioned that because I think that's one of the things that sometimes is it's challenging for teachers when they're first starting because they're trying to figure out all the things they need to do for the lesson, all the teacher notes parts, all the state team teaching strategies and so on. And then remembering like even as a teacher – what does a resource manager do? What's the difference between a facilitator and a task manager? Like, I will admit, I still am not always totally clear on what the difference between the facilitator and the task manager is. So I think sometimes knowing that we want kids to do particular things, right? They all, we want all want them to have a role. We can, you can use numbers instead, right? You can definitely, instead of having task manager, facilitator, resource manager, reporter, recorder, you can have just one, two, three, four, and you can give them a t- particular task, um, for that particular problem or that group work or that day. And then that also facilitates, you know, calling them for a huddle or what other things you might do, swap meets, et cetera, um, when you're switching around. So I like that. With CPM, chapter one is so heavy on task managers are going to do this, resource managers are going to do this. And so my numbers become, we're going to call you guys a task manager so that it's they're, when they're reading that, but it's I still stick with those numbers. You and I have done you know, various internal training with CPM when, where we model a lot of these mm-hmm. things and we, we have been put in the roles of doing the team, of, you know, in team roles while we're doing those problems. What's your, what's your least favorite role to be? Don't even have to think about it. Recorder, reporter. <laughs> I, I, I find it hard for me uh, to participate in a discussion, to, to participate in an activity if I'm taking notes. If I'm writing down, I focus to, I have to focus in on that. And so I feel a little bit like I'm missing out. 
because you're focusing on sort of thinking about what does the group need? How do I document this as opposed to just thinking about your That's thinking? correct. Or, or even I'm not even thinking about okay. the group's thinking. I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. I want to do a good job. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so of course. I, uh, I focus in on how to do a, the good job and I don't get to process what's being said, I guess. How about you? Uh, I would have to say it's really tough. Re- I think resource manager or reporter recorder. I don't really, I mean, resource manager is okay. Cause it's sort of like, okay, I know I have to get the things and the teacher, like that's at least a little straightforward. Um, I don't like it when the one thing that I guess I, I find frustrating is when we're, we're doing a problem. And I, and I think this is one of the reasons that it's really great to put yourself into that role of a student and do these things. So you can begin to think about, I can begin to think about as a teacher, how my students might approach this and feel. I, I do find it's frustrating and it's a struggle sometimes to focus on the math and a role at the same time. Right. And, and I will admit that like that at times when we're, when I'm working with other adults, getting us talking and getting us working is not the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So, so the structure sometimes feels forced. Right. But it does help me sort of see how, when, you know, when I do walk up to a team that isn't even with adults that aren't talking, then I can ask, like, and say, well, who's, who's, who's the facilitator here? How can, I want to hear more conversation happening here. So that's, how could you make that happen? Right. So I think that for me, um, I do, I really like being the task manager or the facilitator and, um, and, and either of the two other roles becomes more challenging just because then, um, recorder reporter, I'm always like, Mm, what am I going to have to make to go to (laughs) present to the class? Am I going to have to talk in front of the class? Which is interesting because I'm not really very inhibited, but like, I don't like to get up and present (laughs) necessarily. There's too much pressure and I might get in trouble. Yeah. You might get in trouble. I like that. Yeah. Okay. This is my, this is an inside secret. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) I didn't use rolls. What? (laughs) No, I didn't. But you know what I did? I, every day, basically, I was militant about team norms. Mm. And I, I had the norms right on the table. And every day my kids had, had a, I had a daily point structure that included points around following team norms. And they, they always started with two points. And if they didn't, weren't following team norms, then I had a little card that I would turn over and said they had one point. And then they could get back on track and they could get back to two points. So essentially every day I did a participation quiz. So with that structure and with that sort of feedback for them. So my kids followed, followed the norms. They didn't particularly use the roles, but the norms included those, those things. So I, I used that structure instead and it, and it helped them feel less confused about, you know, well, I can't go do this because you have to go do this. And they would get in big arguments about that and so on. And they, that just took that off the table and they just knew someone needed to go do this and they would negotiate it and figure it out. And I, I liked that structure. So I kept the idea of getting kids working together and helping them and giving them structures and behavior expectations without structuring it into the roles. I love that you said that too, because I think that is more important to have the expectations of what's going to happen. And I think it allows the students to take a little bit of each role, kind of stand up and say, I'm going to be responsible for this. Right. And they could, and they could decide, you know, 
I mean, they, they didn't say, oh, this meets my personality, but they could. I mean, my, the kids had different skills and some of them liked to read the recorder reporters and some of them liked to do the resource managers because they got to get out of their, their desk for a second and go get whatever. So I think there, it allowed them to kind of find what they, what worked for them. And if, and if no, and if it didn't work for any of them, they still had to figure out how to make the task, like figure out how to do the task and how to do the things. Um, and, and, but I, but I really do believe that because I enforced it every single day, like there was, there was meat behind it, right? Like they, they wanted those two points. They were middle schoolers. They two points were important to them. <laughs> so that, that is what made it work. If I, if I just was like, oh, I'm just going to put you in teams and I'm not going to have some way of really reinforcing it all the time. And, and it was, it was a daily thing. Then, then it would not have been as successful for sure. And I think for teachers that can feel overwhelming of how do I value, put value on the team role and still get through a whole lesson in one period <laughs> and yeah, things like exactly. that. So, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the places where hopefully in, in the teacher notes and in that chapter one material, we give some of those examples and, and give teachers an opportunity to try and really establish that from the beginning in a way that works for them. And I can guarantee as a first year teacher, first year implementing you're not going to know the way that necessarily works best for you. And you'll, and, and you might, and you can make some changes, but it, it, but again, that it's trying to set the right tone at the beginning. It's harder to be really lax about it and come back later. Right. It's it's always a little easier to tighten things, start tight and you can loosen up and shift for what works for you as you move forward. Love it. So one of the things that we will have in every episode, I think, right, our intent is to have something about what national day it is. Well, we do want to celebrate, right? We we want to make a celebration. So uh, today we're we're celebrating uh, National Teacher Day. What? So that worked out. Today is National Teacher Day. May 4th, 2021, National Teacher Day. National Teacher Day. Awesome. So, what are you going to do for uh, National Te- Teacher Day, Joel? I think I'm going to, um, boy, you know, I don't know. <laughs> because I'm also focused, it's also Star Wars Day. So kind of oh. like I want to celebrate, I feel like I could celebrate Star Wars Day personally. To, for National Teacher Day, I think I'll go ahead, I'm going to commit right now. I'm writing a letter to the teachers at my school. I'm going to just say thanks for the work. I'm going to start Very there. Nice. Very nice. How about you? Uh, well, you know, May the 4th, I, for Star Wars Day, I, I, I totally get that. I was a big Star Wars fan. Um, always have been. Uh, but So I'm not going to – I I know there's a lot of celebration around that usually. Um, I'm going to opt out of that. Uh, National uh, Teacher Day, and in, and I know it's part of usually a National Teacher Appreciation Week. I feel like also, mm-hmm. uh, it was always one of my favorite things when I was teaching because it's also the week of my birthday, so it was very exciting to get lots of extra things from my kids and the parents of my students. Uh, that is great. The week. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about what I might do uh, for this year since I'm not in the classroom anymore. It'll it'll be um, a different year. Mm-hmm. I, I used to always like having uh, the local restaurants and such. If you brought in your teacher identification, you'd get like a free mm-hmm. meal. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah so today is uh national well i guess it's star wars day and it's national teacher day For more information and to stay connected with CPM happenings, you can find CPM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our intro music is one of the very talented contributions that you can find on pixabay.com. So thank you, Julius H., for your creation. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It will be National No Dirty Dishes Day, and we'll be discussing the myriad of summer professional learning opportunities with CPM. And actually, now that I think about it, I've got a lot of dirty dishes that I need to get back to in the sink right now that I left over from last night.